The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. See boxes. Make sure you grab a brochure as well. Not just the boxes because the brochure has all the details of what to pack and there's a label that you need to cut and put on the box and it tells you about the $10 donation that goes with it as well. So make sure you grab that. It has all the information. So um, in these next 10 minutes, I'm going to try to kind of help us get a vision. And we're continuing our series on kingdom, we, the theme that we launched a few weeks ago. And we're still in this place of kind of unpacking this word and this theme in light of our vision or our focus for this year. And so I know that we've still got a lot of work to do in terms of defining what this looks like and um, a whole bunch of things. But we're still in that introductory space or um, that time where we're, we're just trying to set the agenda for the year. And so this morning, uh, I really want to focus on talking about our building, talking about our ministry center and how that kind of fits in to our overall vision, to the theme of kingdom, um, and, and to talk about some practical things that we covered in the AGM that some of you weren't there for. Um, so that's kind of where we're going to journey uh, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to grab them and turn to Haggai chapter 2, uh, this was one of the uh, significant passages that uh, God just put on my heart, particularly this year as I've been reading and uh, thinking about uh, this this new ministry and this new season that God is leading us to, uh, he led me to this passage and it really encouraged me. And I trust that as we read it together and consider the theme or the topic of my message this morning, which is kingdom come, that we would be encouraged and challenged and inspired in where God is leading us to go together. So Haggai chapter 2 verses 1 to 9, it says this, In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place... I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Father, we just ask that in these moments we have left, that your spirit will be at work, uniting our hearts with the vision that you've given us for this next season, that as a church we would come together and be about your kingdom work in our city for the glory of your name to extend to the nations, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to try and give you the reason, the why, that we're heading down this road. Uh, trust me, this is not something that I would want to do. 
unless God had put it on our heart to do this. Building projects are not easy. Uh, everyone I talk to, when I say we're beginning a building project, they go, oh, I, I'll pray for you. And I can already, we haven't even really started or gone far down this road when I can say, thank you, I need your prayers. So it's, it's a difficult, hard road that we're going on. But when we understand the why and the reason, it kind of empowers the sacrifices, empowers us in the challenges, um, and gives us a framework for thinking about why we're going down this road. Um, I remember uh, there was a movie done that some of you may have seen called The Green Zone, and it uh, starred Matt Damon. And it was about uh, the U.S. invasion of Iraq and the reason that they were told they were going to go in, which was the WMDs, the Weapons of Mass Destruction, that supposedly were there. And this whole movie is Matt Damon, the lead character, coming to this realization that maybe all was not as it seemed. And as he goes around, he's realizing that there weren't any weapons of mass destruction. And he starts to explore and investigate. And, and, and there's this one profound scene where the guy who was kind of leading the American troops and was kind of uh, creating all the media propaganda about the reasoning, he says, why does it really matter? You know, we're here and we're doing good work and we're making a difference. And Matt Damon says, the reasons why we go to war matter. They matter because of the lives that are lost, the sacrifices that are made. If we don't have a reason, then what we're doing is horrible. It's horrendous. And that's what got me thinking that if we can understand the why and the reason and commit ourselves to that, then the hard times and the challenges and the sacrifices are going to have a place to sit. So that's what we're going to kind of engage with. And in this passage, the things that really encourage me are, are the movement in this text. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in, in kind of expounding it, but just to show you this movement. It begins with the, the, the prophet talking about the present reality. He says to the people that were gathered, you know, look around. Or God says, you know, look around. See where things are right now. In these early verses, verse 3 says, Who of you is left who saw this, house, saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? That's the present reality. And then the next thing we encounter is their part in the process. And so God says, but now be strong. And he's speaking to the leaders, the rubble, the political leaders. Be strong. Joshua, the, the priests are being encouraged. And then be strong, all you people of the land, and work. And work. That was their part. And then the next thing that follows is the promise of God. He says, the reason you ought to do this is because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to g- give you my spirit as I've, I've uh, covenanted with you. So don't fear. And God gives them this promise of of the assurance of his ongoing presence, his covenant faithfulness. And then it finishes with a vision of the future. The glory of this new house is going to be more amazing than what you've known. And why will that be the case? It ends with this promise. And in this place, I will grant peace. Peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So I guess for us to really understand what's going on here, just a bit of theology. Um, 
the temple was really the focus of Israel's national identity. It represented so much of who they were as the people of God. As far as they understood it, the temple, and particularly the, the, the covenant, uh, the, the, the throne room, the inner, the inner sanctuary, was the place where God sat enthroned. It was a representation that they as the nation were the kingdom of God, physically here on earth. And so when captivity came and Babylon came and sacked the temple and the glory of God we see in the prophetic literature leaves the temple, leaves Israel, it, it was like God had abandoned them. God had forsaken them. And God's kingdom, as it were, had left. And so this vision, this promise is about almost the reinstatement of the kingdom of God. And so for them, um, it, it was a, a literal, a physical reality that they were going to experience. The glory was physical and literal. Uh, think in terms of Solomon. Right? It was the era where, where God's glory was most manifest in riches and abundance and God's provision and favor. There was peace like no other time before. There was no war. There was no hostility. Uh, Israel's territory extended beyond anything that they'd ever known. And then there was peace, the shalom and the well-being of God. And we're going to talk a bit more about that word peace. But what I want to kind of put before you is this pattern of what the kingdom of God is. And we're going to explore this more and more and more. And this pattern was made famous by a theologian called Graham Goldsworthy, who came up with this idea that we see from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And he defined the kingdom pattern this way. And he said, it's God's people living in God's place, under God's rule. God's people living in God's place under God's rule. You see this in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. You see this Noah in the ark. You see this with Abraham being led into the promised land. You see it in Sinai, God's people, God's place, God's law coming down. And you see it in Israel under the monarchy. And that's why them rejecting Yahweh as king was such a huge thing when they said, we want to be like the other nations. We want to have our own king. And then we see under David and Solomon the, the reinstatement of this idea of the kingdom of God because these kings were submitted to the king, capital K. And then we see in the, the captivity under Babylon, that's what Israel struggled so much with, that God had abandoned them, they'd lost the kingdom. And then we see in Christ all of that being restored. King, capital, comes from heaven to bring God's rule. And now it's not physical anymore. We don't live in a, back then it was a national group of people, an ethnic group of people, the Jews. And they lived in a physical place in the land of Israel in Palestine. And they lived under the Torah, the covenant law that was given to them. But today, as the church, because of grace, God has changed it. And it's, it's a spiritual reality that we experience. And Christ has come. And now the place is where? It's wherever God's people are. And those people are made up of Jews, of Gentiles, of Greeks, of Turks, of Sri Lankans, of people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation being brought together by the good news of Jesus through grace and through faith. We've been united together as the new people of God from every tribe and nation. And we are now called the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit now lives in us. So we are not a physical temple. We're this spiritual living stones that God is building together into this spiritual house. And now the law is not Torah. It is the law of Christ written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
So that's why at PCC, uh, our focus has been on discipleship and on mission strategizing. Because it's the same kingdom theme that runs through the whole Bible, but it's different. Same but different. And the reason it's different is that the glory of God is still the same. It's his greatness. It's his goodness. It's his fame. As we looked last week, as Lewis unpacked, that God is, is jealous for his own glory because there is nothing greater. He's the ultimate. And that continues. Shalom, peace. Let's unpack that a little bit. In, in, in the Old Testament particularly, but even in the New, it, it carried these multiple ideas. It's not just, like we've been saying, tranquility. It's not just meditation and having internal peace. That's part of it, but it's a lot bigger and a lot richer than that. It carries all these ideas. It's to be complete or to be whole or to be sound or to live well. It's to be whole in body, to be in relational harmony. It's to know blessing and favor and success and fulfillment. And it's the absence of war and victory. All of those things are carried in this word peace. And God is saying to Haggai here that peace, he was going to grant this to them in the temple. And then we come to Jesus and Jesus says, that's what I have for you. Life and life to the full. God's shalom, God's peace is what I give you. Not as the world gives, not this inner cessation of trouble and anxiety. No, I give you the peace of God. And so as a church, as the kingdom expression on earth now, our responsibility, our mandate is to make known the glory of God and is to reflect the peace of God in our gathering. And so we we talk a lot about aligning ourselves with kingdom values, of reflecting the heart of the kingdom, reflecting our king and his peace in relational harmony, in obedience. And this morning, I don't know if you felt it, but it was like over and over again, we were being slammed in love about submission to the lordship of Christ in our lives. That's what this is about. And so we focused on discipleship and we focused on strategizing for mission and proclaiming the gospel. We go on about getting people in connect groups. We go on about reading God's word and having a devotional life with Jesus. We go on about having a culture of mission where we're here because we want to be empowered and sent to proclaim the good news of Jesus so others might be invited into the kingdom of God as well. So where does the building fit into all of that? Three ways. One is, is, this is the theology. So, you know, and we're going to unpack that more and more and more. And I think as we understand what the kingdom of God is more and more and how we're to live as kingdom citizens, the building will fit in your mind. You will understand that as we grow in this, that it's part of advancing God's kingdom in our city. So let me focus on some of the practical things. One, this building it served us well, and we praise God for Bert and June and their faithfulness over many, many years to build this building, literally with their hands. It served us well, but it's done. It's been here since the 30s. It's like going into your pantry and see something that's about a year out of date. I, I dare say you probably would never eat that. It would just go straight in the bin. And as much as we love this, and as much as it's served us well, it's done. It's falling apart. And it's going to cost us so much to just keep maintaining it. So that's a very obvious practical thing. And ask the guys who spend time and effort maintaining it. You can talk to Graham. You can talk to Glam. These guys give up their time to patch and keep this thing going. It's, it's done. The second practical thing is this idea of capacity. 
capacity. You know, like this year, we've had so much discussion already as to what to do on Christmas Eve. Because we can't fit anymore. You know that even over Easter, we had to relocate because we can't fit anymore. We thank God for the increase He's brought. But it's created some problems. Look, being honest with you, I would much rather be in one service. And the times we are, it's just awesome. And even today, we had extended worship, and that left me with 10 minutes to preach. If we had one service, there's no problem. We can pray, we can minister, we can just enjoy the fullness of God much more freely. So it limits our capacity. Some, some Sundays, you talk to our kids' workers, they don't know where to put our kids because many of the people that are coming are coming with three, four kids, or even just one and two. But there's families that are coming, which is fantastic. But we don't have the space for them. And, you know, so and you know, did I, do I not even need to tell you about the toilets? No, I don't think I need to tell you about the toilets. No, because even this morning, before the meeting started, there was like a line of ants going to the men's. You know, like one was going and one was coming out, one was going and one was... It was capacity. We're maxed out. Our kitchen facilities are maxed out. We thank God for the growth, but our building is not adequate anymore. The second or third practical thing for us to be aware of is, is impact. Is impact. We, we believe God's called us to represent kingdom in Parramatta, to be a city on a hill, to make a difference, to see other people encounter Jesus and be transformed by His love and grace and to live lives that are shalom. And we can't do much more than what we're doing right now. But we believe God's called us to have a significance in our city, to bless our city, to serve our city. My, my heart and my vision is that our new building, our new facility will be a hub in this community. That every day of the week, something would be happening here. And Lewis had a conversation with a group of people called Greater West for Christ. And their heart is to empower churches to bless and engage and serve their, their community. And they said, look, one of the things we help people do is run ushers in their church. And I'm like, oh, that would be so awesome. For those of you who don't know what ushers, outside of school hours, daycare. Just to serve your community, to bless families in the community. I'm going, I'd love to do that, but we can't do it. We just don't have the space to do it. We, we get requests of other groups that want to use our facility and, 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 and have run dance classes and a whole bunch of things. And I say, I wish we could, but we, we don't because our food care is using it two days of the week and this is happening. I want to have more space and I want to have more rooms to say, you know what, we've got six rooms you can use. Sure, come and run your group here. Sure, let's run an ush here. Sure, let's do this here so that we can bless our city. That's why God's called us here, to make a kingdom difference. So it's about impact and so I, I hope that those things really grip your heart because now let's talk about the practical stuff where to from here to, being totally real this is not going to be easy building in Sydney is not easy so the first thing I want to say is thank you to all the people that have given sacrificially we've had people give one-off gifts to the building fund five thousand dollars that just We've had other people who've gotten inheritances that have felt God stirring in their heart to give part of that to the building fund. We've had other people who've sold really rare books that have been in their library for years and years and years and donate the proceeds to the church building fund. We've had other people, we've had young people 
who've won prizes in competitions that they've gone to and donated the money. And this was just a thousand dollars. A young person. Just profound. And thank you for all of those people who gave that way. And I encourage you, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Thank you to all those people who took a pledge card and have been giving $30 a week for the last two years or something we've been doing this. But honestly, that's not enough anymore. It's not enough. 30 people, I think, giving $30 a week is going to take a lifetime to get to $5 million. Just being real. And the reality is that we've looked at going to the banks and looked at funding this, and they will only give us a certain amount because we're only a church of 160, 180, maybe 200 people. So while we've got plenty of assets, in their mind, we don't have the capacity to repay a loan. So we need to save a lot more before we go to them. That's the reality. And what we're focusing on is not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Because some of us can give more than $30. Some of us can give a lot more than $30 a week. Some of us can do maybe a little less than $30 a week. Some of us can't even do anywhere near that, but we can do something. That's what we want. And that's what it's going to take for every single one of us to buy in to own, to commit, to invest into this vision wholeheartedly because we're on a timeline now. Our DA has been approved. We've got five years to begin construction. And if we don't, we start again. I don't want to start again. First time around was hard enough. So this is the reality of our situation. So we have a target. In the next 18 months, beginning November, which is when we want to launch this campaign, we want to raise $350,000. $350,000. That $250,000 has been sitting there for I don't know how long, and we still not got it. But I believe that we can do this if every one of us does something. And so we're going to launch a pledge campaign for all different amounts. There'll be 10 or so, that's $100 a week. There might be 10 or so at $75 a week. There might be a whole bunch of them at $50 a week. There might be a whole bunch of others at $30 a week. There might be others at $10 a week or at $5 a week. You can buy in at any point, but it's got to be sacrificially giving. And I read something this last couple of weeks from Bible Society that really challenged me. And I'm going to put this out there for you to consider. And this is what it says. If your giving does not require you to change anything in your life, then you're not giving sacrificially. Think about that. If you can give, and it doesn't mean you have to miss out on something, that's not sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is when you give, and that means you have to go without. Whether it's a coffee, whether it's buying lunch, whether it's going to the movies, whether it's going out, whether it's buying a new, clo- new clothes, a new car, a new house, upgrading something. If it means you're not going without something, then you're not sacrificial in your giving. That challenged me. And I want to think about what that means and looks like for me. And I encourage you to think about what that looks like for you. And here's the last thing I want to say. What encourages me, even though this seems impossible, is that God's kingdom work is always a partnership. We saw it in Haggai. We we have a part to play. We can't expect God, and God never does, just do everything. You know, John 6 uh, is a passage that always stands out for me. There's a massive, massive need. 5,000 men, probably 10, 11,000 people there. 
and they're hungry. They have no food. Now, Jesus is standing there as the king of the kingdom. And he, he, in John's account, he's doing signs to prove his deity. We're talking about God in flesh who can turn bread, a stone into bread, who brings manna from heaven without there being anything, who can make birds fly into the camp so that people can have meat to eat. Do you think Jesus would have had any problem making bread and fish fall out of the sky? No. And would that have proved his divinity? Absolutely. So why use a boy's lunch? I don't know. But he did. And I see that throughout the Bible. God just goes, well, what do you got? Show me what you got. And I'll partner with you. You be strong. You do your work. And then I will. I will. I will shake the nations. I, the silver and the gold is mine. Then I will. I will do my part. But you have a part to play. And I'm like in the, in the story in John 6. I'm convinced that as we bring our five loaves and two fish. If God doesn't take that. And feed thousands, we'll be here going, okay, God, well, maybe we're supposed to be here longer. Please keep this building standing. But I'm, I'm confident that when we do our part, when we bring our loaves and fish, God will do incredible things. He's already done incredible things. And so I want to encourage you, let the vision of the why grab your heart. There's a reason why we're doing this, not because we've got nothing better to do, not, not because you know, we're bored and we think, oh, let's take on a challenging project. Let's build a building. No, it's because we're so convinced that God is going to use us as a church. Not, and the glory we're talking about is not the glory of the building. I mean, let me tell you, it's going to look amazing. And I'm going to show you a video. Some of you have seen bits of this, but this is the full architectural design of what the building looks like from 360 degrees. And you will see it's amazing. But that's not the glory we're after. For the children of Israel, it was. People came in and went, whoa, this, look at the gold, look at the ivory, look at the it was that but for us it's the glory of God in his people and the peace of God in this place the kingdom of heaven coming to God's people living in God's place under God's rule that's what we're after and that's why we're doing this thanks guys um uh, there'll be a letter going out to all our church members our congregation that you'll receive um in the e- uh, through email this week just Again, outlining some of the things I've shared about and, and the pledges and how they'll work. We want to launch this in November. We want to give you notice to think about and pray already into this and ask God how he's calling you to be involved. So you, hopefully you'll have a month to pray and think and consider. Um, and also if you, if you have expertise and uh, skills and knowledge in fundraising, we'd love to talk to you. Shamal, um, our newest board member, is, he's got a real heart to really invest his time and energy into doing this. Um, and so if you want to be a part of that fundraising team, the finance team, we'd really love to talk to you. You can see me or you can see Shamal. That'd be great. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together as we conclude this service. So guys, if you want to put it up on the screen. Because this is the heart that drives this. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. As we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for 
the fact that your kingdom has come through your son, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that as we journey together, that you will unite our hearts into this vision, that we too would see your kingdom come in our city through your church for the glory of your name. Bless us as we go, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.